father's lightsaber. What? Lightsabers, precious? What's Lightsabers Precious? The Lord of the Rings and Star Wars Encyclopedia Podcast, where we waste time on fictional wikis. My name is Ryan. And my name is Joanna. Ryan, do you have any Star Wars news for us today? Just jump right into just it, Just huh? jumping right into it. I don't got any small talk. I see you every day of the week. The big news right now that fans are just slavering at the at the bits for. I don't think that's how the... Fr- slavering at the bits. That's what they say. Slavering at the bits for. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just going to maintain it. I'm going to double down on We're it. We're going to make it a thing. Slavering at the bits about... The title of Episode Nine, because Mark Hamill, principal actor of the Star Wars franchise, Luke Skywalker himself, has been doing mysterious tweets the last few days, where he tweets out one word at the t- at a time, in all caps, and people are thinking this has to be the title of Episode Nine. And so on Thursday, he tweeted out the word "the." The tweet on Friday yes. was "purpose." Yes. The tweet this morning was "of." What's the next we're going to be? we got to find out tomorrow. It might just be the purpose of this tweet series is to mess with you, Star Wars fans. Ha 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 ha. I honestly think that's what it's going to be. I feel like the purpose is not very epic sounding. The purpose of. Cool. So when, when's the next word due to drop? Uh, tomorrow. Sunday. The purpose of what, Luke? The purpose of what? Well, we can post it on the Facebook page. Yeah. Unless it's like the purpose of the, and then you're going to have to wait another day and everybody's going to be really pissed. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Do you want to hear my news? Sure, yeah. Um, we don't really have Lord of the Rings news that often. so Mirror.co.uk is a stupid site. That's my news. No, it's, okay, tell me more. So I went on... Uh, well, actually, I googled Lord of the Rings news because that's my extremely scientific way of like doing these things. And I found an entire Lord of the Rings category on Mirror.co.uk. Now, in case like you missed the memo, this is not a reputable news site. This is a garbage news but it's site. it's news. It is stupid. Okay, so I'm going to read you just some of the headlines. Okay. Start out pretty normal, right? These are all the headlines related to Lord of the Rings. The ultimate Lord of the Rings quiz, can you get all ten questions correct? That's not news. That starts out normal. Yeah, it's not news, but at least it's fairly normal compared to what comes next. Because next we have, woman who identifies as ELF, in all caps, rather than human, wears pointy ears and Lord of the Rings inspired clothing. That's not news. I feel like that's also the entire story. I mean, we like, don't need to read What's the story it. about? She's a woman who identifies as an elf and dresses like an elf every day. Cool, don't need to read that. You need to be better about writing clickbaity headlines. You're like, it's supposed you're to make like people... you won't believe why this woman wears elf ears everywhere. Because she feels like she's an elf. I mean, that'd be the answer. But like, I would believe But that. you'd have to click that's on it to find out why. That's like. true. Uh, here's the next headline. Gollum figure seen stalking moose in creepy video as six what creature appears from woods. Now, Gollum is not six feet tall. He is not six feet tall, but it does kind of look like Gollum. Okay. Wouldn't you say? Doesn't that look like Gollum? We have like a preview, a very, very grainy, pixelated preview of the video, and it does look like Gollum. I'm not going to watch the video because I don't want to give the mirror the clicks. No, but... no. Don't give them any of your ad money. Here's my favorite. Are you ready? This is my favorite Lord of the Rings related headline. Yeah, I'm ready. I heard the devil laughing at me. And then my life changed, says Dad, who was addicted to porn and crack cocaine. No. Yeah, we got to find out how that guy's connected to Lord of the Rings. All right, let's click on it. Let's give, find give out. them a click. Come on. All right, let's see. Okay, let's do search uh, Control F, Lord of the Rings. Hold on. Addicted to crack and porn, Rob Joy was a violent drug dealer on a collision course with Lord of the Rings. Tragedy. Tragedy. It says. All right, so let's find out. Okay. Okay. 
Okay. One of the guys was my drug dealing partner, and he and the other mate were talking about the film World of the Rings, The Two Towers. It literally, that's the only thing. Like, during a, like, drug-fueled party, somebody mentioned Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. It gets better, though. We were taking drugs and drinking, and I thought they were talking in code about me. So when one said, I preferred the first one, I thought they meant they were saying they'd be better off without me. I was so paranoid that they were going to attack me, I went to the kitchen and got a knife and threatened them. It took one of them to be brave enough to stand up and walk towards me and say, We are your friends, Rob. What's going on? So basically, the story is, these guys are all taking drugs. One of them said they preferred the first Lord of the Rings movie, and the guy attacked him with a knife because he thought it was code for murdering him. The writing's really bad in this. Yeah, there's a lot of typos. Okay, so that's the story. That's how it's connected to Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings was a code for murdering a drug dealer. His friends said, like, fellowship better, and so he tried to stab them. Pretty cool. With that aside, Ryan, let's dive into today's topic, because today I'm talking about Sauron. Oh, I know him. I know you like talking about evil guys. Yeah, I know. You know him. Sauron, I know him. But first, before we talk about Sauron, I want to talk about how much Tolkien freaking hated cats. What has to do with Sauron? You will find out, all right? I promise this is all going to be connected. So we can discuss this in more detail in a later episode, but cats are basically always, always, always portrayed in a super negative light in the Tolkien universe. Uh, in fact, when a cat breeder asked permission to use names from the Lord of the Rings for her cats, Tolkien replied to his publisher, Alan and Unwin, I fear that to me Siamese cats belong to the fauna of Mordor, but you need not tell the cat breeder that. Yikes. Yeah. He did not like them. Was, and he, was he, like, allergic or something? I don't think so. I think he just thinks they're, like, inherently evil. But we'll get into that. So I bring this up because the forerunner to Sauron was, and this is this is real, uh, Tavildo, Prince of Cats. Okay. A so giant cat named Tavildo who was the prince of cats. Prince of cats. The prince of all cats. Prince of all cats. Yes. Like how some people are the prince of, of all, all prince of all Saiyans, he's the prince of all prince cats. Prince of all cats. Yes. So, is Tavildo like his jellicle name then? <laughs> yeah, maybe. He's like that's, a Mr. Mistopheles yes, kind of guy. That's the one. He yes, that's the one. The name he sings when he's like prancing around, yelling "Presto!" Oh, and then get, oh, getting. Oh well, never, never was there ever. ever. Anyway, that's he okay. like gets taken up into yeah. heaven on a on a on a on a spare tire at the end. So I mean, okay, spoilers there right. for the musical Cats, which yeah. came out like thirty years ago. Tavildo, Prince of Cats, appears in some of the earliest drafts of the story of Baron and Luthien, which mm. Tolkien began writing all the way back in 1917 when he was. 25 years old. Dang. Right. So, as you'll hopefully recall, in the more or less final version of Baron and Luthien, Baron gets captured and held prisoner by Sauron on the Isle of Werewolves. I remember that. So, wait. Is he a wolf or a dog or a cat? Well, okay. The, the, yeah, I'm talking about the final version now. The final version, oh. it was the Isle of Werewolves. That was the final version. And Luthien rescues Baron with the help of a magical talking dog called Huan. Remember, I remember this? Huan, yeah. Yes. Now, Huan fights Sauron in werewolf form and kicks his ass so bad that Sauron is forced to flee in the shape of a vampire, whatever that means. Yeah. Huan is still a character in the earliest versions of the story, but Sauron is Tavildo, Prince of Cats. Huh, okay. So, there's this pervasive cats versus dogs theme mm-hmm. that's half delightful, half horrifying to my cat-loving heart. So, this isn't canon anymore. This is This is not canon anymore. This is a, this is a uh, this version has been superseded. Okay, just checking. The yes. Now, here's how Tavildo is described. Quote: All about shown cat's eyes glowing like green lamps or red or yellow where Tavildo's 
thanes sat waving and lashing their beautiful tails, but Tevildo himself sat at their head, and he was a mighty cat and coal-black and evil to look upon. His eyes were long and very narrow and slanted, and gleamed both red and green, but his great gray whiskers were as stout and as sharp as needles. His purr was like the roll of drums, and his growl like thunder, but when he yelled in wrath it turned the blood cold, and indeed small beasts and birds were frozen as to stone, or dropped lifeless often at the very sound. Sounds like a good boy. He uh, is not I'll, a good boy. I want to rub his little cheeks. When he yells, when he yells, birds die. I want to tickle his little belly. Like, literally, birds are flying around, they hear him yelling, and they're like, Bleh. I want to, like, wave around a little stick with a, with a feather on the end of it, and a jingle bell, and have him just play with me. You don't want to, because he'll capture you and make you do really stupid errands. So let me tell you about just one of them. But he sounds like a great, good boy. Okay, be that as it may. So there's a lot of fun stuff about Tevildo, Prince of Cats, that I should probably save for a later episode on cats. One of the funnest things to me, though, is that the first task he gives Baron after Baron's taken captive is to capture three mice. But the mice are part of Tevildo's personal hunting stock, and they're described as being bigger than rats and, quote, very wild, evil, and magic. That just sounds like regular mice to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Magic. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think regular mice are magic? Yeah. You know, it's not all regular mice are Chuck E. Cheese, right? Oh. Like, they can't all bring you the magic of video games and crappy pizza. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. Yo, no, but these mice were very wild, evil, and magic, so... Like, literally everything else about Tevildo is evil and magic. Even the mice that live in his palace. That's kind of fairy tale-ish. Like, go chase my three mice. Yes, it is. It is really fairy tale. This one's sort of fairy tale-ish. Although, like, the language mm -hmm. that is used, it's like translations of the Odyssey or something. Really? Like, the syntax Oops. is very long, and mm. there's a lot of archaic English, like, instead of if they say an. Is and it stuff an epic like poem? The parts of this book are. We're talking about the... Um, so the version of Baron and Luthien that was released in 2017. Okay. It's got several versions in it, and some of them are in the form of epic poetry. Gotcha. As with Sauron, Tevildo is undone by Huan the Hound. In Tevildo's case, Huan feigns being close to death, and when Tevildo comes to finish him off, Huan chases him up a tree. And Morgoth is so pissed about Tevildo's ignominious defeat that he curses him, right? Mm. He curses Tevildo and all of Tevildo's thanes, all the other cats, and he banishes them. And so according to Tolkien, quote, nor have they since that day had lord or master or any friend, and their voices wail and screech, for their hearts are very lonely and bitter and full of loss. Yet there is only darkness therein and no kindliness. Man, he's a dog person. Yeah, he really hated cats. Like, a lot. Like, as much as anybody has ever hated cats. He literally thought cats were full of darkness. But, like, come on. Like, cats have friends. Well, not according to Tolkien, they don't. They're not bitter and full of loss. They're friendless. They weep at their loss. They're full of darkness and no kindliness. They're bad news. So, anyway, he must have hated cats so much that he decided to write all the cats out because... Tevildo eventually became Sauron. Right. Once he became Sauron, his career became a bit more illustrious. Well, he didn't get cursed to loneliness forever. He didn't get cursed to loneliness. He wasn't sending people out to go catch three mice. He didn't get chased up a tree by a magical talking dog. Although that would be kind of funny. Yeah, it would be. So since Sauron was a Maya, right? Let's talk about his early days. Since he was a Maya, the Silmarillion indicates that he was created by Iluvatar at the beginning of time and entered the earth with the rest of the gods. Uh, you remember that he was initially the apprentice of Auli the Smith, right? Right. 
During that time, his name was Myron. So that's Sauron's original name for those who didn't know. That was his jellical name. That was his, je- that was his yeah. That was his jellical name. Just like Tavildo's name was jellical name was Tavildo. Yeah, yeah. So his jellical name was Myron. Okay. Presto. And uh, so of obviously his original name couldn't be Sauron because like that's so obviously evil. Mm-hmm. It's just like if Morgoth's name was originally Morgoth, everybody'd be like, I see what's up here. Is Sauron an evil name? Yes. It sounds like a dinosaur. Sauron. Dinosaurs aren't evil. Well, they're scary. To some people. Sauron can't be a good per. Come on. Like, Sauron. Like, sounds like sores. I mean, there is a guy in Marvel canon named Sauron. What? Really? Yeah, and he's a pterodactyl man. See? See? That's horrifying. A little bit. That's not a good person. That's horrifying. There's a character in Primal Rage, the old fighting game from the 90s with dinosaurs. A T-Rex is named Sauron in that one. See? See? But he's actually the hero T-Rex. There's one called Diablo who's the bad T-Rex. the hero T-Rex. But, like, they're not fighting for the people. Like, both sides in that game in Primal Rage are, like, they eat humans from the sidelines to power up. Those are their worshippers. They're eating their enemies' worshippers. That's not good. That's not good. For them. I mean, like, they, they they exist in a realm beyond morality, much like Sauron does. Okay. Like how I tied that together? Very good. Primal Rage, Lord of the Rings, all connected. Yes. So, Myron slash Sauron's defining characteristic was that he was incredibly OCD. So... You drop a bunch of, like, you know, rice on the floor, he's got to count every single... He's got to count every single... He did turn into vampire. a vampire, so, yeah, yeah maybe that's why. Uh, he loved order, planning, and coordination, and he hated chaos and confusion. Loved trains. He loved train. He probably loved trains. He probably adored trains. So in a way, all of his evil machinations were just the result of him wanting the world to be more orderly. So you're saying he's the hero? Well, initially, initially, we're told by Christopher Tolkien in the book Morgoth's Ring that Sauron actually started out loving the other intelligent beings of the world and he wanted to use his talent for planning to benefit them. Yeah, give them some structure in their lives. Right? It's like like what wedding planners are for and stuff. Yeah. Like somebody who's good at organizing, you hire them and they make your life better. <gasps> but much like a wedding planner, it all went horribly, horribly wrong. Oh, no. The- it all got dark-sided fast. The other species were real bridezillas, weren't they? They were real bridezillas. They were all insisting it was their special day. Over time, Sauron's obsession with order started to overshadow everything else, and he started pursuing order for order's sake and didn't really give a crap how other beings were affected. In fact, he admired Morgoth's ability to get stuff done. Because if there's one thing any fascist likes, it's efficiency. Yeah, definitely. The train's got to run on time. train's got to run on time. So very early on, Sauron was ensnared by Morgoth. But rather than being upset by this, he was like, this is great! I love this guy! So he became Morgoth's greatest and most trusted servant. Now, Morgoth was like a nihilist. Mm-hmm. Right. So his view was that this whole stupid world shouldn't even exist. He's like a real agent of chaos. Though. He's a real agent of chaos. Like, even though he's all about order, he's a real agent of chaos. Well, he just wanted the. He just wanted to watch the world burn. He's like, real. He's kind of like kind of like that character, the Joker. You know him? Um. Uh, no, I'm unfamiliar. Please explain to me. He's this. He's this twisted individual who thinks crimes are funny. Really? He, but crimes aren't funny. I don't understand his way of thinking at all. Isn't that twisted and dark? That is so twisted. That could only have come from the dark and twisted mind of Christopher Nolan in the year 2008. Yeah. So, okay, yeah, so much like the Joker. In fact, exactly like the Joker. Sauron thought, it's okay that this world exists as long as I can do what I want with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? So once he became Morgoth's servant, that's when he started being called either Sauron or Gortar. Gortar. 
very hard to say, Gortower, depending on who was talking about him. So he wasn't Myron anymore. He was Sauron or Gortower. Yes. Myron meant the admired, by the way. But he wasn't very admired after this. You know? Yeah. So, because yeah, yeah. using your OCD powers to, like, torment people isn't very admirable. Right. Now, during the years of the trees, so you remember this is pre-First Age, Sauron was the commander of Morgoth's fortress of Angband. And when this fortress was besieged by the Valar and Morgoth was captured, Sauron actually escaped. Okay. So, like, I don't know how loyal he actually was to Morgoth because, he like, he off. saw, yeah, he saw his master get captured. And he was like, late. I'm out. Uh, maybe there was really nothing he could do except get the hell out of Dodge. Mm. I don't know. But, so he escaped. He was not captured by the Valar. In the first age, Tolkien writes that, quote, Sauron was become now a sorcerer of dreadful power, master of shadows and phantoms, foul in wisdom, cruel in strength, misshaping what he touched, twisting what he ruled, lord of werewolves. His dominion was torment. I just, he kind of buried the lead with the lord of werewolves bit. He's kind of through That's the what I think. I know Tolkien always throws it in like as an afterthought. By the way, he was also a werewolf. Lord of them. By the way, he could also change it to a snake or a vampire. By the way. By the way. Yes. So, yeah, to Tolkien, that's not the most important point, no. but to me, it really is. At this point, does Soren think he was still the good guy? When you're the Lord of Shadows and you twist everything you touch, when you start thinking, like, maybe I'm the baddie of this story. I feel like he was kind of amoral. Okay. I feel like he said, the world should be this way that I have in my head. This is how the world should be. The world is untidy and it doesn't meet my standards at this point, so I am justified in doing whatever I want to make it tidier and more orderly. Some one day a rain's gonna wash these streets clean. Is that the Joker again? Yes. Okay. <laughs> we'll just uh, assume it was. It's Taxi Driver. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it's been a while since I watched that movie. Okay. What is Travis Bickle but the Joker, as portrayed in Christopher Nolan's 2008 film? That's where they got the idea That's for Taxi Driver from the Dark Knight. They came in 2008. They watched Christopher Nolan's groundbreaking film, The Dark Knight, and then they went back and then in, in 2009. Time. They made Taxi Driver. Yeah. <laughs> That classic 2009 film, Taxi Driver. Yeah. So Sauron during the First Age was just an utter bastard. I mean, he's the only one who can get this stuff done. He's He doesn't trust anyone else to set things in order the way he can. But, I mean, it's essentially I mean, true. The yes. ends justify the means. In his view, yes. So we've already talked on this podcast about how during the First Age, he ca- uh, he attacked and captured Tolsirian, which he renamed the, the Isle, Isle of Werewolves. I mean, you got it when that's your title. You kind of got it, right? And we've also talked about how he captured the Tower of Minas Tirith, not the same Minas Tirith that was later in Gondor, which that. is very confusing. He captured that tower and he made it a watchtower for Morgoth. I don't think we've mentioned that he also killed Baron's dad. You remember that part. Okay, yeah, I think I forgot to mention that. So basically, Baron's dad, Barahir, was the leader of a band of outlaws that openly defied Morgoth and Morgoth's forces. So Morgoth ordered Sauron to kill him and he did. Okay. So there was that history. And of course, we talked about the whole Baron and Luthien incident, which occurred shortly after that. Sure. One super bastardy thing I don't think I mentioned before was that Baron had these companions with him. There were 10 of them all together. He had these friends who were helping him on his quest for the Silmarils. And when Sauron captured them all, he was trying to get information out of them. So he threw all of Baron's companions one by one into a dark pit where they were eaten by a werewolf. Oh, no. Because, like, he was really good at theming. The Lord of. Werewolves. Yeah. Werewolves, comma, the Lord of. 
This was his way of trying to get the others to talk, which they didn't, but still. So all Baron's like, bros got werewolfed. They all got werewolfed. What an a-hole. Now, wouldn't it be more efficient, though, to, instead of eating them, the werewolves bite them, and they get turned into werewolves, so his army grows. I have no idea if that's how it works in the Tolkien Legendarium. I have absolutely no idea if you get bitten by a werewolf, do you turn into a like, werewolf? Like, are you born a werewolf? Or if he changes into vampire form and he bites you, will you like, turn into a vampire? Are you, are you born a Halloween it's monster? It's like a magic power that you can get. Okay, but like... How do you explain, like, Bayorn? He's born a bear He's changer. He's a skin changer, yeah. So is, is that a werewolf? I actually... No, that's... I don't think that's how werewolves work. Okay. I don't know, though. I feel like that is something that Bayorn was born with, and I feel like turning into a werewolf is something that you can achieve through magic. However, okay, okay. if I ever do an episode on skin changers, which I might not because there's not that much info on them... You should do one about werewolves for Halloween. <gasps> That's a good idea because it's almost spooky October after we had spooky August and and we're sort of having spooky September. September. Something is a spooky three months here. After the final defeat of Morgoth in the War of Wrath and the coming of the Second Age, Sauron laid low for like a thousand years. He was like, oh, that war did not go our way. Like, literal gods came over from Valinor and roasted all of us. I'm just going to lay low. And the goat put on a, a grow a mustache and just kind of, you know, witness protection for a little bit. I think he grew a beard of sorrow. Grew a beard of sorrow. And then I think he started managing a Cinnabon. Yeah. <laughs> and all these parts were in black and white. All these parts were in black and white because to show his despair. Yeah. Exactly. For those of you who don't know what we're referencing, too bad. We're not going to <laughs> not explain, gonna explain it. it. But you should watch better TV. <laughs> so Sauron laid low for like a thousand years until he decided the Valar, they probably like stopped caring about Middle Earth. You mm-hmm. know, like that was a thousand years ago. It was probably off their radar by now. And this was when he started masquerading as his alter ego, Anatar, Lord of Gifts. Manager of Cinnabon. Manager of Cinnabon and Lord of Gifts. Lord of cinnabon Gifts. I mean, imagine someone who just brings you cinnamon rolls all the all time. All of his gifts. What they never mentioned in Tolkien was that literally all of his gifts were Cinnabon. I mean, I really like that guy. Hey, you... guy, I got you some Cinnabon. Would you love that? Is someone, like, bringing you a cinnamon roll every day? Like, thank you. Well, I mean, maybe not every day because well, I start to suspect he was trying to give me a heart well, attack. Like, fairly but... often. Like, that'd be nice. They fairly surprise. often. I'm the Lord of Gifts, which means... I bring you a Cinnabon fairly often. I like that. I like that. I, I get along with that guy. Yeah. This is also the time period where he weaseled his way into friendship with the elves of Eregion. Through uh, cinnamon buns. Through cinnamon buns, which is how he got them to craft the Rings of Power. We talked about that already, yeah. though. This is also when he built the Dark Tower of Baradur and the Black Gate of Mordor. So this was when he finally achieved status as the Dark Lord of Mordor. Man, his resume's growing. It is. As far as titles go. It is. And he raised his whole army of orcs, trolls, and men, and from his fortress in Mordor, he conquered most of Middle-earth. Right. So this was like the height of his power. But there was one place he didn't control yet... The star-shaped Isle of Numenor. Sink it. Sink it. Well, he does. Yes. So we've already discussed how Sauron allowed himself to be taken captive by the Numenorian king, Arpharazon. I remember that, yeah. We also talked about how he totally seduced Arpharazon with his sweet, sweet talking and sweet, sweet Cinnabons and became one of Arpharazon's advisors. Not only that, but he converted a lot of the Numenorians to the worship of Morgoth. So he got like a cult started. Ooh, okay. And he became the high priest of the cult of Melkor. Melkor being Morgoth's original name. You remember that? Another title. Yes. Another title. Another way to pad his resume, right? It's like when you're in who's who among American college students. Oh, yeah. When you're in high school, you just do a bunch of like extracurricular activity to be like, I was on the art club. I was in the... You're in... You're in... um. 
you're in NHS and like you put every single volunteer as like a separate, a separate line. Job. Your, yes, yeah. every single time. Now, at this time, as the high priest, he had a great big temple built on Numenor where all the new cultists could practice their religion. And this religion naturally involved a bunch of human sacrifices. I mean, you gotta break a few eggs. You gotta, you gotta, I mean, he was, he was doing nothing but breaking eggs. He was gonna break all the eggs. Okay. And make the world's biggest, crappiest omelet. Finally, he convinced the king of Numenor to sail to Valinor and fight the gods. I think I remember me telling him. Yes, so he told them that this would allow him to gain immortality. What it actually led to was Iluvatar getting pissed off and punching Numenor into the sea. Awesome. Which was a boon for Sauron, but also kind of not, because he happened to be in the temple of Melkor when Numenor sank, and he actually drowned. I didn't know that part. (laughs) Whoops! You didn't tell me that part. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. So, well, his, I didn't because, like, his body drowned, but his spirit survived. So he was a disembodied spirit because his body drowned because, oops. You should turn into a wolf because they're good at swimming. I mean, he was inside a temple. Maybe he couldn't get out. Or a vampire. They might be good at swimming. I don't know. I don't think vampires are good at swimming. Maybe not. Dracula didn't swim to, you know, to England. He definitely took a boat. I'm just saying. Okay. So anyway, his spirit survived and it fled back to Middle-earth and he slowly rebuilt his strength over centuries. Right. And while he eventually was able to assume a physical shape again, Tolkien notes that he wasn't pretty anymore. Because he was kind of a beautiful, like impossibly beautiful... He was impossibly... He looked like an impossibly beautiful elf, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. He looked extremely, extremely fair to behold. But not after this. After this, he looked creepy. He didn't smell like cinnamon and, and, and cream cheese frosting anymore. No, he didn't. No. He smelled like um, uh, um, like Elmer's glue. Yeah. I'm trying to think like the worst smell I can remember in my life. And it was the Elmer's kids. Elmer's glue is not bad. No, it was the kids from elementary school who would always smell like Elmer's glue. Oh, smelled like it. Yeah. Yes. They smelled like Elmer's glue. It was not nice. Eat. I don't know what they were doing. I guess those were probably the kids who were eating it. But they were eating it, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So he was ugly and he smelled like Elmer's glue, and so that's sad. You know, he might as well just died, right? Like, if you can't be beautiful, what's the point? Is that the Joker? Yeah, that's the Joker too. <laughs> okay, that's the Joker. That's what happened to the Joker. Just... He couldn't be beautiful anymore, and so he's like, "What's the point? Anarchy." I know I got these scars. I wasn't beautiful. You want to know how I got these scars? I, I drowned in the Temple of Melkor during the sinking of Numenor. I don't know how these, these scars happened. Just, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why that led to scars, but <laughs> anyway. Sauron eventually built up enough power to make war on the last alliance of men and elves, which we also talked about. And as you know, he was defeated and the One Ring was taken by a seal door. And I'm pretty sure you know everything that happened after that. No, tell me more. No, I'm not going to. Read the Lord of the Rings. That's all you need to oh, know. Oh, okay. Before we finish with Sauron, though... I have some etymological notes because we all know how much Tolkien loved the hell out of linguistics. Entomology. Yes. No, etymology. Entomology is bugs. Hey, man, he loves spiders. Actually, that was one thing I read that um, elves... This was I. This is not related to Sauron. I just happened to see this while I was researching. Elves like moths. They don't like beetles, and they refuse to touch spiders because of Ungoliant. Okay. So if elves see a spider, they're literally like, "Oh, kill it! Kill it! Kill it! Yeah. Get it away!" Aye. Which is kind of like fits your image of elves, right? Kind of prissy. They don't trust beetles. They don't trust beetles. They don't like beetles. Is it because they go underground like a dwarf? Maybe. Maybe. Again, this is this was from material that has been superseded, okay. so I'm not sure if this is still canon, but at one point that was like Tolkien's so idea. not entomology, but etymology. Etymology. There are a lot of different theories on where the name Sauron comes from. One theory is that it's a Quenya name meaning the abhorred, and from what I've seen, that's the most common okay. postulate. 
but it could also be derived from the Quenya word saura, meaning foul, evil-smelling, or putrid. Again, Elmer's glue. Again, Elmer's glue, like his name could literally just mean stanky. Yeah. Glue stank. Yeah. That's his name. In at least one manuscript, Tolkien suggested that Sauron comes from a Quenya word meaning cruel. It could also have come from a primitive Quindian word meaning detestable. And finally, it could be derived from a Sindarin word meaning abominable or abhorrent, in which case the original name would have been Thauron. Sorry, do you have a speech impediment? I know, I know. It sounds like you have a speech yeah. impediment, doesn't it? Like, hi, if me, Thauron. Thauron, yes. Thauron, if me. I'm Lord of Werewolf. Lord of Werewolf. Um, sometimes I take the form of a vampire to, some, to escape. Sometimes, Some yes. Just sometimes. At an intermediate point between Tevildo, the Prince of Cats, and Sauron, the Dark Lord, he was variously called Thu, Gortu, and Sur, before finally becoming Sauron. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so that's kind of Sauron, in a nutshell. Wow. I mean, a big nutshell, because that took a little while, but, you know. But I think you made it concise. and Yeah. See, I think maybe he just picked the name Sauron because it sounds kind of like a scary dinosaur. I think he probably did. I think he and probably did. Reverse engineered it. Like... Here's something to wonder about. Did the events of the Tolkien Legendarium take place after the dinosaurs died? You would assume they would have to. 65 million years ago. Because humans weren't around. Right. I mean, unless, like, you believe those kids you used to teach at Living Word, and then it's like... Oh, yeah, yeah. Dinosaurs yes, dinosaurs were... playing around outside the cave where Jesus died. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. It's a story for a different podcast. That's a story for a different podcast. You have to assume. Maybe they knew about dinosaurs. Maybe they knew. Then what's a dragon? A dinosaur. Okay. Yeah. So maybe dinosaurs were alive. Okay. Maybe. But at the same time... But they weren't outside the cave where Jesus died. That's just silly. That's just ridiculous. That's just ridiculous. Let's not get carried away. Anyway, what do you have to talk about today? All right. Well, I know you're doing our uh, number one evil boy, Sauron. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, I should do number one evil boy of Star Wars, Emperor Palpatine. But I was like... His article is very long, and I need to focus on a small part of it. And so um, instead of focusing on him particularly, we're going to go into uh, a story. Um, Story? Have you ever heard the tale of Doth Plagueis the Wise? Ooh, should I be imagining we're watching some weird, like, air opera? I mean, we we are right now. On Uh, Coruscant? There's a big bubble in front of us. There's a bunch of weird things Like weird white Chinese myth dragons flowing around in it and stuff. And there's this weird sort of like... Music under it. It was though. I, I don't think I'm alone in saying this. Like probably the best scene of the third movie, it in is, my opinion. It is kind of mesmerizing. It is one of the best. Let me uh, actually have that audio if you want to hear it. Yeah, lay it on me. It's a Sith legend. Darth Plagueis was a dark lord of the Sith, so powerful and so wise, he could use the Force to influence the midi chlorians to create. Life. He had such a knowledge of the dark side, he could even keep the ones he cared about from dying. What happened to him? He became so powerful. The only thing he was afraid of was losing his power, which eventually, of course, he did. Unfortunately, he taught his apprentice everything he knew. Then his apprentice killed him in his sleep. Ironic. He could save others from death, but not himself. 
I just feel like that is the one of the few parts in the prequels. You can feel free to disagree with me, by the way, if you love the prequels, but where George Lucas actually gets that that tone he's going for, which is like this tone of like oncoming dread. I think that's also Ian McDermott acting his pants off. Yeah, he did. Like, like, okay, here's the weird thing about the prequels. They have the ability to make very competent actors look like absolute amateurs. And so there's not that many scenes where like they get to act super well, but I think he does a good job. Ian McDermott's good in every prequel movie because yes. he just, he knows... I think he knows it. what kind of movie he's in. Yeah. Right? And, and he hams it up. Yes. And it's wonderful. It's wonderful. He's one of the bright spots. But so, anyway. that's an old Sith legend. But what if I were to tell you that it wasn't really that old at all? Like, you mean it's only a few centuries old or something? I mean, like, only a few decades old. Like, how many decades are we talking? Well, let's go into the story of... The tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise. Is this going to be like, there's an there's an old legend of a band called Milli Vanilli. Like, is this going to be like, is it talking and about lo, that? it is told that they got caught. Sinking their lips. <laughs> <laughs> is this going to be like that level of? Uh, kind of. Okay, so, all right, let's hear So Darth, Pla- Darth Plagueis was a real guy in the Star Wars canon. Mm-hmm. He was a moon. And that's M-U-U-N. What does that mean? It's a species. Um, they're kind of these tall, lanky, long-skulled um, fellas. They they appear in episode two. Wait, are they like the corduroy pillow guys? No, 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 no. Like no. That's episode, episode three. Okay, okay. episode three. Um, <laughs> oh wait, are they those ones where like Obi Wan Kenobi goes to their place and they're like, "We have the army of clones you ordered," and instead of being like, "What army of clones?" He's like, "Cool." <laughs> no, that, that, not the Kaminoans. <laughs> okay, I'll show you because they were very long and lanky. There's only really only in a couple scenes. Um, they're these species that run the intergalactic banking clan. Uh huh. So they're kind of in charge of all the money in the galaxy. Okay. And let me, they have three hearts. They look like this. Oh, jeez! I don't remember those guys. He was in the back. There's a scene. It's, it's such a such a dumb part of the movie. They're on they're on Genosis, <laughs> and like they're being sold the Death Star plans. Yes. And there's like. Count Dooku's like, and all my separatist friends, and one of them is is him. Just there. There's like a, there's like a weird robot dude. There's like, <laughs> like the king of the Genosians is like this this you know bug man with a beard. And there's like <laughs> Count Dooku's got a, he's got a diverse group of friends. The intergalactic banking clan, and he gestures to these long faced boys. Okay, he's a moon. So that's what. I that's, always imagined Darth Plagueis as a human. I did too, and then he's actually a moon. All right, his birth was a planned. Thing. It was orchestrated. I mean, a lot of people plan out a birth. Your parents planned out your birth. But his parents didn't plan out his birth. His birth was planned out by a guy called Darth Tenebris. Ooh, Teneb. Literally, his name means Darth Shadows. Darth Shadows. And it would be his future master of the Sith. And Darth Tenebris was a Bith, which I think is really funny that, like, this super evil guy is, like, a butthead alien. Yeah! Like, <laughs> he's, he's a cantina band boy. But yeah, he, right, right, right. But a Sith Lord. So it's like, uh, um, what's the name of the leader of the... Figurin Dan. It's like, so he looked like Figurin Dan. It's like Figurin Dan, but with, like, a red lightsaber. How am I supposed to be threatened by that, like, at all? He had a cool breath mask. I, I still feel like you're gonna be able to see the butt. Yeah. As long as you can see the butt, it's not threatening. It covered up his, his sensitive mouth folds. Oh, but he I still hate that. Anyway, Please so, cover it. so Darth Plagueis' father was a Force-sensitive intergalactic banking clan official. He was high up in the company. And his mother was a lower-caste Force-sensitive woman. Okay. Uh, Tenebris used his Bith scientific methods, in quotation marks, to determine that their kid would be strong in the Force. So he said, this one and this one, if I match these two up, 
boom, I'm going to get a powerful force kit out of this that I can use for my own advantage. So it's like, like selective breeding. Exactly. And so he took on... Ten, uh, sorry, took on Plagueis' mom as an apprentice and said, hey, your first mission, go seduce that intergalactic banking clan dude and have a kid. Was she just like desperate because she was lower caste and yeah. didn't have that much money and she's like, all right, whatever else. Pretty much I'll exactly. Sleep, but anyway, I don't care. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. And they did. And so sometime between 200 and 100 BBY, Darth Plagueis was born. Wow. Again, this is only like uh, between 100, 200 and 100 years before the Battle of uh, Yavin. So. Why didn't Emperor Palpatine like b- mention this part of the story? Because it would not be a cool story. It would have taken like 12 minutes. And it also would, it would have shown totally ruined the momentum. It would have shown that Darth Plagueis is not really that old of a Sith legend. This is like, That's true. He can't maintain that, era, that aura of mystery yeah. like as an old legend. He was not born Plagueis, obviously. You have to get your Sith title later, but he was born Higo Damask the second. Higo Damask the second. So his dad was Higo Damask the first. His grandfather. Oh, his grandfather was. That makes sense. Because yeah. yeah, pres- otherwise he'd be Higo Damask Jr. Right, he's part of stupid. sucks, right? He's yeah. part of the Damask banking clan family. Okay. Very wealthy. Here's a paragraph from Wikipedia. I'm just going to preface it with that. Tenebris had been searching for the right apprentice to train for the sole purpose of eventually p- possessing them through virulent midi-chlorians he had dubbed Maxi-chlorians <laughs> in order for his consciousness to survive until the creation of the Chosen One. Maxi-chlorians? Were they, like, big? Was that why they were virulent? Maxi-chlorians. Like, what does that mean? That's all they give it us. It reminds me of, like, a maxi-pad that's been treated with that's chloride, what it which would be a of. very, very bad idea. It sounds really uncomfortable. Yes. So remember that. Maxi-chlorians. Okay, maxi-chlorians. And they were very virulent. Was this, like, a virus? Yeah, it was the kind of thing where you could, like infect a host with his maxi-chlorians and keep his life continuing in the, like his spirit oh, could jump into the body. Bad. That sounds good. Well, for him. Oh, for him. he could Because he could jump into their body. Oh, he could jump into he, their he, body. He infected I... the, their body with his maxi-chlorians and he could jump into their body and take it over. That's gross. How did he have to infect them? Uh, open wounds. Was it like an Ew! Do you like have to cut their arm, then cut his arm, like rub the wounds together? Uh, we'll talk about that actually. Oh, okay, it comes into play. So the young Higo Damascus II was raised in a dome city on mm-hmm. a frozen planet called Magito. Magito by his overly attentive mother. Now this mom is, is this was this the lower the lower class? Woman? Yes, she Maybe she was an attentive mom. She was a helicopter parent. Oh, okay. So let me just give you some examples. So she recorded every detail of his upbringing in a journal. And encouraged him to tell her even his most furtive of thoughts. Whoa. So any no secrets between mom and son. Whoa. Is, they're really close. Did he end up with kind of a complex? Well. Is he like a mother con? We'll, we'll get to that. Um, uh, but in her defense, though, I'd like to say, so she's, like, got no status. She has, like, nothing in the world. And then suddenly, this, like, big important guy, right? Darth yeah. Tenebrous, tells her that her son is, like really special. And, like, this is all she has. That's true. That's all she has is this is her baby boy. Like, of course she's going to be kind of a tad. Like, what else does she have in this life? A mother's a boy's best friend. Yeah. Boy's best friend is his mother. Always. So she also provided him with playmates and would take notes on their interactions and interrogate him later about how he thought about them. And what if he didn't like them? Well, here's an example of that. Before his fifth birthday... One of the playmates that his mom picked for him, he didn't like him very much. And so he started to use his uh, kind of developing force abilities to use a mind trick on this kid and had him commit suicide by jumping out of a building. Oh, my God. Wait, when he was five? Uh, before his fifth birthday. Oh, my God. 
whoa, whoa. So mom must have been pretty evil if she was able to look at that and be like, my special little yeah, boy, he's so high-spirited. Because his mom was fine with it. And she's like, listen, I have powers like you too, but we got to keep them secret, okay? <laughs> That's what we have to keep secret. Not the fact that a boy committed suicide, like, after coming over to your house, but... Yeah. Was the boy who killed himself also five? Yeah, yeah, same age. <laughs> what the hell? That's so dark. So you can see why maybe, uh, maybe not a good person. I mean, was he... So when he became, was he like a Jedi before he went Sith? No, no, no. So at okay. a young age, it doesn't really specify when, probably like young teenager or whatever, uh, his parents handed him off to Darth Tenebris, whose alternate identity at this time was a famed starship designer. He actually designed spaceships. Like in his, like, you always gotta have so he's an, like an engineer. When you're a Sith, you always gotta have an alternate identity, right? And so like, for him, that was his alternate identity was uh, a starship creator. Same way Palpatine's alternate identity was a uh, senator. Like a politician. A politician, yeah. I work with a lot of engineers. I wonder which one of them is dark-sided. Which uh, one of them is secretly a Sith Lord? Is any of them, do they even have a butt for a head? Not that I have noticed, okay. but I'll keep you updated. Because there are like 800 people that work there. See if anyone wears like a really big hat. Okay. <laughs> or goes to weird operas with like Chinese myth dragons yes. and bubbles. <laughs> That's a tip off. So anyway, his parents handed him off to Darth Tenebris in exchange for developing his dad's career. So his dad's like, you know, he's going to get higher up in the banking clan. Okay, And Tenebris cool. could do this because he had tons of money as a starship designer. So then Darth Plagueis's like day job alternate identity was banking. Yes. Okay. Yeah, he's a it. banker, right? And so he became Plagueis at that point. Uh, of course, Tenebris had the ultimate goal of inhabiting Plagueis's body eventually, but, you know, we'll forget about that. Whoa! Hey! Oh, using his maxi chlorines to get inside of that, that young body. I just want to get inside that life, young body. But for that, for the time being, they were bros, okay? Master and apprentice, the rule of two, spreading discontent to ripen the galaxy for future takeover of the Sith, you know, just hanging out. Hanging out, like you do. So they had lots of wild adventures, assassinating Jedi, uh, using banking clan money to influence galactic leaders, and just having all kinds of fun with midi-chlorian manipulation. Cool. Learning how it works. Yeah. Kicking the tires on that stuff. It wasn't all fun and games, though, because Tenebris at this time took on another apprentice named Venomous, breaking the rule of two and making Plagueis super jealous. Yeah, I'd be jealous. That wasn't the deal. The yeah. deal was that he'd be his one and only. Yeah, and I think that was probably intentional to, to heighten his, like, emotions, right? To like So he's just using this other apprentice. To, to make Plagueis grow even stronger. Whoa. Venomous was Sucks for that other guy. apprentice. The other apprentice is like, oh boy! I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Sith Lord. Like Ooh. the strongest Sith Lord ever invited me to be his apprentice. Score! We're going to be best friends, Plagueis! <laughs> Anyway, this is like, I'm going to make you commit suicide. I'm going to murder you someday. So Plagueis and, and uh, Tenebris had their final adventure on the planet Baldemnik. They were going there to mine Cortosis, which, if you don't know what that is, it's like this rare mineral in Star Wars that can uh, resist even lightsaber hits. Star so, Wars is so about, like, rare, like, raw materials. Yeah, truly. I mean, Seriously. It, it drives a lot of the plot of these stories. Yes. But, uh, so this rare, they wanted to make armor out of it so they could just, like, take lightsaber hits all day and be fine. Uh, however, when they were mining for this stuff, they struck a vein of explosive gas, and the cave they're in began to collapse. And Tenebris used his force abilities to, like, hold up the cave, and he's like, we have to get out of here! And Plagueis kind of noticed, this is my opportunity, I can do something cool here. And so he crushed his master with rocks to death. Oh my god! Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure that Darth, that was not in Darth Tenebris' plan. No, I don't think so. Because he hadn't had time to infect him with the... But it's okay, because he was super excited about this. Because as he was dying, he's like, now's my chance. It's earlier than I expected it to happen, but I can get in this guy's body 
Like now. That lithe young bod. That lithe young skinny ass bod. I'm going to get inside of it. And so thankfully he had an open wound on his back. Tenebris' spirit traveled through his maxi chlorians into Plagueis' body. And he's like, yes, this feels good. I'm going to, this guy's got powerful foresight. Let me take a look at my future victory over the, over the Jedi and the, the empire of the Sith finally being reborn. I'm going to use my foresight to look at this. And so he looked, used Plagueis' foresight. But instead of seeing that, um, he saw this vision of Plagueis being killed by his own future apprentice. And he's like, oh, crap. That's not what I want. So he, he got kind of panicky and slipped out of his body. And in that time, Plagueis escaped. And Tenebris was trapped in that cave forever. Like his spirit? Yes. Oh, no. So things did not work out so great Best for him. Best laid plans. Yep. Well, I have to say then, Morgoth was a better master to Sauron than yeah. Tenebris was to Plagueis. Yeah, I mean, so- Tenebris was just manipulating Plagueis the whole time. Yeah. And, it and he got his comeuppance. Like, literally, Plagueis was, like, born to die. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Born to be possessed, I guess. Yes. So he was supposed to be possessed. Right. He was going to have Tenebris' spirit his in spirit his body. spirit was still going to be in there. Right. And see what you... That's right. He tried to create a boy that had, like strong force parents. We'd have like a super high midi-chlorian count or whatever. Got it. Yeah. That's gross though. Yeah, I know. I don't like it. It's awful, like but it. don't worry. Tenebris is dead and stuck in a cave forever. Cool. Uh, so in the process, their ship got smushed and the cave collapsed. And so he had to get off the planet. And so he stowed away on a ship called the Wobegon. Oh, cool. Garrison Keeler. Uh, cool name for a ship. <laughs> ship Wobegon. I'm going to sing some folk songs next to a woman who's 20 years younger than me. We're going to talk about... Pancakes. I'll pretend to call my mother and she'll bug uh, me mother. about getting a wife. Guy Noir, detective. <laughs> uh, shit, woe be gone. So he offered to pay his way yeah. on board. He had lots of money. But the deal went sour and he killed everyone on board, including Garrison Keeler. Oh no! <laughs> Garrison! Wait, didn't Garrison Keeler die recently? Hold on, I'm going to Google he, if he's Garrison... He's like me too recently, I think is what you're thinking of. I think his career died recently. Oh, hold on, I'm going to Google if Garrison Keeler died. Okay. Garrison Keeler, I uh, felt up a girl. Oh, yeah, he's still alive. <laughs> Oops. Woe begone uh, indeed. I got me too. Oh. So anyway, he killed everybody. Took their medical droid, whose name is 114D, who would turn out to stick out, stick with him for like years afterwards. Okay. And actually be Palpatine's droid after Plagueis died, so pretty cool. Shortly after this, he was ambushed by Venomous, who came back. Oh, no. He was looking to take Plagueis' Darth title by killing him, because that's how it works. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. The only yeah. way you can become a Darth was by killing your master. Something like that, yeah. So why would you ever take an apprentice? Because the rule of two, baby. That's like the stupidest rule <laughs> I, ever. No. And don't worry. Plagueis thinks the same thing. He thinks it's very dumb. Uh, but he got his ass kicked. Venomous did. Plagueis forced him to poison himself by eating a flower called a coma bloom. Oh, coma? The- like C-O-M-A? Yeah, put him in a coma. Oh, okay, well, yeah. <laughs> Obviously. And while he was in a coma, he had his body moved to another planet for future midi-chlorian experiments. Let's put him off somewhere. Ooh, so he's going to become like a little scientist guy here. Yeah, well, Plagueis is already doing research into midi-chlorians. He's already kind of scientifically minded, like Tenebris kind of was too. Yeah. Because he was another, he was an engineer. Mm-hmm, that's okay, that's fair. He's yeah. approaching the force with, the, with a scientist's eye, and so he becomes kind of a, a force biologist here. Okay, fair. Geneticist, I yeah. should say. So, while meddling in the growing conflict between Naboo and the Trade Federations, this thing goes back a long ways. That flippin' Naboo trade negotiations thing? Yeah, his identity as an intergalactic banking clan official, he could kind of, like, stick his nose in there and start causing trouble. But it put him in contact with a 17-year-old legislative student named Sheev Palpatine. Oh. No, wait, now, okay, a legislative student? Was he going to, like, a special... 
high school for legislators? Honestly, yes. It was, it was, it Wait, was, for real? Yeah, it was It was like a legislative youth program, I think it was called. Oh my god. But the thing is, and I like, think Amidala went to that as well. Well, what you've told me is that they'll, they'll start out at the legislature when they're like 19. So. That's, that's how like, Padme got there. Yeah. Right, right, She right. was part of the same program. Okay, okay, got when she it. Was, when she was of age. Yes. Right. But now, Sheev, again, Palpatine, I don't know if you know this, but Emperor Palpatine's first name is Sheev. Sheev, yes. Very good. Sheev. Sheev. I think they tried to make it sound like Shiv, which is kind of like a thing you, like sneakily stab someone with, right? Yeah. So, he, yeah, and he kind of, he's a sneaky guy. But they picked, like, the least threatening vowel. Like, like a, it just e. sounds like sleeve. E. He sounds e. like a guy who's going to be selling you a used car. <laughs> hey, I'm Sheev Palpatine. Sheev Palpatine. Palpatine Come on Motors. Down. Lowest prices in town. We have to be crazy <laughs> to get us away from these prices. Crazy Sheev's crazy cars. <laughs> uh, anyway, he was powerful in the force. Plagueis could sense this. And he started hanging around him. His like, new little buddy. Yeah. 17-year-old kid. So Sheev now is the one that's like, oh boy! Yeah, and because Sheev was estranged from his father, who was also like a legislator yeah. on Nebu. He kind of took to Plagueis as kind of his father figure he never had. Do you think that Palpatine started going to the legislative school to try and get his dad to notice him? I think so. See, Dad, I'm going to be a legislator like you. I'm going to get you voted out of office, Dad. <laughs> yeah, the ultimate F you. His dad took notice of this creepy moon hanging around his son. He's like, stay away from my kid. Like, I, we wouldn't you be because he was still underage at that point. But Plagueis just ignored him, and he decided to tell Sheev what was going on. He's like, guess what? Your dad came to me and said to, like, stay away from you. And Palpatine was like, ugh, I hate my dad! He's so unreasonable, he's trying to interfere with my life, he won't let me hang out with strange, sinister, older men! Exactly, and so he got really, he freaked out about it. He's like, I want to be free! My family controls me too much! I want power beyond what they can offer me! And so Plagueis is like, well, I can help you with that, but... You gotta get your family out of the picture first. Palpatine's like, yeah, okay, I can do that. And so he took you his, have to kill your family. He took his family on board a starship that they owned and killed them all in space. And like then, with his own two hands, and then covered it up with his own two hands. He killed them. Yeah, lightsaber. Yeah. Holy crap! He was seventeen and he killed his whole family. Pretty much. But he covered it up. How did he cover it up? What do you say? They got hijacked or something? Yeah, I think he like blew up the ship in space. Oh my god! And Plagueis is like, dude. That was better than I expected. You rocked it. I mean, it's not as cool as, like, making another five-year-old commit suicide when you're five, but... Well, I just want you to, Plagueis also killed his family, so... Oh, he did! Because, okay, but he did it in a really sneaky, stupid way. So, like, his dad had a congenital heart defect... Yes. ...that he didn't get because his mom didn't have it. Right. But all of his family members, who were part of the intergalactic banking clan, all started getting the same defect and dying, like, kind of, like, getting sick... Yes. ...at a young age, and so he, he invested in research and doctors that would help them, but they were all fake doctors. <gasps> who gave them fake medicine that killed them faster. No! So he did. He took, like, the kind of sneaky, little wormy, weaselly way out. That's Plagueis' way out. But that's not his... I mean, like... Sidious just killed everybody. He literally just murdered his whole family. Yeah. Like, with his own hands. Yeah. Holy cow. He's like, this kid rules. He's my apprentice now. Darth Sidious, welcome to the club, boy. God. You're my boy now. I mean, we all have those. Not not all of us, fortunately. But, you know, like, teenagers will have those sometimes. We'll be, like, hanging out with, like, an older guy. And your parents are like, you better stay away from him. Like, but I love him. And you then they kill their but, parents. Then they kill their space. parents. Yeah. Like, you do. So, anyway, they began their training together. Plagueis promised his apprentice they would be free of the rule of two. And that they would not have any secrets between them. They would tell each other everything. Some kind of parallels between him and his mother here a little bit. Mm-hmm. A little creepy. They didn't want any jealousy or mistrust between them. And they conserved the dark side in concert together. And he taught him over the course of decades, teaching him everything he knew from force abilities to lightsabers to the midi-chlorine manipulation he'd studied for so many years. 
His lessons involve forcing Sidious to face his fears, denying him pleasures, and taking from him the things he loved. You know, like, you know, a healthy relationship. Yeah. Can I ask, do you feel kind of bad? Like, maybe it wasn't all Palpatine's fault? Because it really does seem like he got basically groomed by a creepy older guy. Yeah, he kind of had uh, aspirations of power to begin with. But do you think he would have gone that bad if it weren't for Plagueis? No, I think I think Plagueis kind of broke bad on him, I think. Yeah, so. I think so. But then again, Plagueis also kind of got groomed. He did. But I then know. again, when he was like four years old, he, he killed like another toddler. So it's like, a, it's maybe a cycle. there was no hope for him anyway. If you read enough about the Sith, you realize it's just a cycle of abuse. Yeah, you know? man. It's, it's like, it's ugh. It feels kind of icky. Yeah. So they have lots of adventures during their time together. They created uprisings in certain systems. They set up the thing with the clones by manipulating the Jedi Master, sifo who is a separate guy from Sidious, I should mention. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. Remember that in episode two? He's like, yes. Jedi Master sifo It's like, oh, that's clearly just Sidious with one of the letters changed. But it's not. No, it's a separate guy. I Star Wars canon. Yes. Okay, cool. It's just like, but it, but he just happens to have a name that's exactly the same with one of the letters so changed. <laughs> Ryan, you know, it was George Lucas's vision. And they began to study midi-chlorians and conducted twisted experiments on the creatures they captured in their adventures. Uh, during this time, Sidious began training a young kid called Maul um... under Plagueis' watchful eye. And at one point, a group tried to assassinate Plagueis, and he got his lower jaw sliced off, so he had to wear a breather thing for the rest of his life. Oh my god! Like his master. So he didn't, so like when he took that off, like his tongue was just hanging? Yeah, yeah. Gross. Nasty, right? So here's the most important thing they did together. Around the year 42 BBY, Darth Plagueis finally took Venomous's life. So that, that old rival apprentice that he yes. kept in stasis. He then resurrected him and killed him again and again. <laughs> repeating the process until the Biss organs gave out and he finally died. What? And both Sidious and the droid that he stole from those guys on the Wobegon were present. Wait, so was he trying to figure out, like... How many times you could kill and bring a person back yes. before it was just impossible? So there was a limit. There's a limit. Sidious was there too. And so him and Plagueis began this meditative trance where they tried to tip the scales in the favor of the darkness. Plagueis attempted to go one step further and attempted to create life by mentally reaching out to the inhabitants of the galaxy. So he's like, they're both, the, after they kill this guy, they're like, he's corpses on the floor, they're just like meditating over it. It's just, it strikes me as kind of weirdly like, psychosexual thing kind of like it really is like this whole story has felt yeah. weirdly psycho like it feels like the weird seduction of a minor yeah. sort of thing so they put out their will into the universe trying to create a being of their own creation like manipulating the midi-chlorians trying to make a baby together make a baby together somewhere in the galaxy but the force was silent to all their probing and so Plagueis kind of took this as the force trying to shut him down and trying to <laughs> cancel out what he was doing probing <laughs> Then 32 BBY happens. This is the invasion of Naboo. This is the Phantom Menace. Yeah. Plagueis and Palpatine became aware of this powerfully Force-sensitive kid from Tatooine, called Anakin, who stood at the virgins of the Force and had been born around the same time that they were reaching out into the Force and messing with it. Wait, sorry. So you're saying that Palpatine and his older male friend literally created Anakin? Inadvertently, yes. They created Anakin. Remember, Anakin doesn't have a father. He doesn't. That's true. But I always just assume that was like my dad skipped town. No, it's a it's a virgin birth sort of thing. So okay, sorry. So it's not really that much of a tragedy that Anakin fell because he was literally created, yeah, to be evil. So yeah. like that kind of do you think that removes the tension a little bit? Maybe a little bit. It is kind of weird. I don't know. I feel like it's. I guess it's still that like that tension between nature and nurture. But so he, he kind of felt like, oh gosh, this is the force getting revenge on me. He, they they created a chosen one. Yeah, they Crap. did. Crap. They did. Someone's I was trying to you. create an evil chosen one. They made a good, good chosen, chosen one. Well, good. Well, you know, Our he girl. got a vision of the boy's future, 
of him as like the scary cyborg man. And he's like, yes. no, 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 this is not what I wanted at all. It's supposed to be me. It's supposed to be me continuing the future and Palpatine's body and you know, we're living together forever. And he's like, I gotta, I gotta fix this. I can't have a Jedi train this kid. This is gonna be terrible. Yeah. And so he ordered uh, Maul to go kill Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan, which is why they fought in episode one. Oh, yeah. Apparently. Okay, apparently. I thought it was just because like... Yeah, so at this people. point, Palpatine's kind of like, okay, I've learned pretty much everything I can from this old man. He's kind of like slowing me down. I can reach my abilities because I'm going to be voted chancellor pretty soon. I can do this by myself. Yeah. I don't need this old man. My time of me is now. And so... Time for, time for some me time. Time for some, some Sheev time. Why don't Sheev... I, just take care of Sheev for once. Yeah. Put Sheev at number one, right? So the night before the big election for chancellor, Plagueis and Sidious attempted an experimental Mon Calamari opera at the same opera house where Palpatine talked to Anakin. Oh my god. And later they went back to Plagueis' penthouse apartment to have some drinks and kind of celebrate and practice Palpatine's speech. And so Plagueis was drinking a whole bunch, really excited for Palpatine, like, oh, finally we're going to be in charge of the Senate, blah, 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 all this stuff. And Palpatine's like, yeah, yeah, great, great, great. Keep drinking, keep drinking, keep drinking. And so he got Plagueis mega drunk yeah, until he fell asleep. And then he used force lightning on him until he died. I'm sorry, but I feel like that's justified. You think so? I feel like everybody should should end their abusive relationship that way. Yeah, yeah. Torture yeah. his master to death? Like, torture your abuser to death with force lightning after getting them very drunk. That's yeah. justified. He had this kind of twinge of, of a disturbance in the force as he was doing it. It kind of felt like loss. And he's like, oh gosh, I wonder if this means that... That's called feeling bad, Emperor Palpatine. He thought, like, his first <laughs> thought was like... feeling bad. He, that's what everyone would think. But he, his first thought was, oh gosh, Plagueis' experiments worked. He's floating around somewhere. He's going to kill me. But then he found out that those were around the same time that Darth Maul got chopped in half. He's like, okay, that's probably what I was feeling. It's no big deal. I think he just felt bad. I think he felt bad. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's that emotion too, but... Anyway, the next morning he got voted as the Supreme Chancellor. The rest is history. Wow. And he kept around his master's ashes in urns in his office. What the hell? And you see those urns in the movie. (laughs) Why are they so weird? The Sith are weird, Why are the Sith so freaking weird? They are seriously worse. So that's the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise. You can see how... I don't know if he was that wise. I don't think so. Either. I don't think he was that wise. I think he set himself up for that one. He's a scientific master, though. The, the Book of the Sith, which I brought up before when we talked about the Night Sisters, there's a whole section that's his journal. Yeah. Talking about his science behind creating life and manipulating midi chlorines. It's pretty interesting. It's fun. It's got some some cool diagrams and Sidious has some some like uh, notes in the margins about what his master was doing. Like, oh, his reach was far too limited and all this stuff. It's pretty fun. That is my uh, my my counterbalance to. To Sauron here. Holy cow. So who do you think was more evil? I honestly think Sauron was more evil because I think Palpatine, the mitigating circumstances that he was groomed. Yeah, I think all these Sith are groomed. Yeah. Like, Maul was just a little kid when he got taken right. by Sidious. Like, like, so I feel like it's not, they're not totally culpable. It's totally nurture over nature in this case. Yes. I mean, they maybe have tendencies and, like, emotions deep in them. But, like, I think Sauron could have, like, could have definitely, like, turned it around if he wanted to. Maybe. I'm not sure. I mean, I think, like, his... Oh, man. But he was kind of, like... I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like he was evil to begin with because, like, he's, his whole thing about order and... Like, it doesn't say that he specifically turned evil because of Morgoth. Yeah. Like, he already admired Morgoth before Morgoth got to him. So... Yeah. I think Sauron's more evil. Okay, maybe. I mean... That's, that's my The thing about these Sith, though, they have the same kind of idea of Sauron where it's like, we have to create order in the galaxy by creating uh, a galaxy ruled by the Sith. Well, sure, because they're fascists. That's right. what fascists right. always right. think. Right. 
so you know they have a kind of a rule of two thing going on kind of like Morgoth and Sauron yeah they do that's true uh, the master and the apprentice yeah Sauron did not kill his master I guess that's one point in his favor but he didn't have to because his master got launched into space yeah, so, <laughs> so that took care of him and he's not truly dead he's just out there he's just out there floating around like hey. watching it from space yes Cool. Well, thank you, Ryan. I really enjoyed that. It was kind of effed up, but I enjoyed it. It was an epic it. story, right? Yeah, yeah. I focus. I feel like I'm focusing on the bad guys. Talking about baddies is fun, though. They're more fun to talk about. They have more interesting stories than the goodies. Definitely. So, uh, do you want to tell everybody the issue with the stupid names poll this so week? So, our worst name challenge has come to a, a conundrum in that last week, our names, we picked Fatty Lumpkin, which is Tom Bombadil's pony, mm-hmm. and I'm a gun die, the Jedi who dies. Both got an equal number of votes all across social media. Not and just from like individuals, but from like sheer numbers. Like both are tied. And so we need a tiebreaker. So here's what we're going to do for the tiebreaker. I'm going to call my mom. Okay. And we're going to have my mom choose. She's an expert on these things. She isn't. Well, my mom, she she was the one who got me to read Lord of the Rings when I was a kid. So she was into Lord of the Rings when she was in high school. She's listening to the podcast. She's listening to the podcast. She does know Star Wars, even though she thought that, <laughs> that the guy's name was Grandma Tarkin. I mean, it is. It is Grandma Tarkin. So I'm calling her now. Hello? Hey, Mom. Hi. Hi. Hey, so we're doing our podcast now, and I was hoping you could help us out. Sure. Okay, so we've 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 been doing this like uh this poll every week where we choose one really stupid name from Star Wars and one really stupid name from Tolkien, and then we have people vote on which name is the stupidest. Okay. Now the issue here is that this week we have a tie. Oh my goodness. So we need a tiebreaker. Can I give you both of the names and you get to choose? It's entirely in your hands which one's gonna oh. win this week. Yeah. No pressure. No pressure. Uh- Okay, all right, go ahead. All right, Ryan, can you tell her the names? Okay, so the first name is Fatty Lumpkin. Fatty Lumpkin. This is a pony called Fatty Lumpkin. (laughs) Okay. That's from Lord of the Rings. The Star Wars name is I'm a Gundai, who is a Jedi who dies. (laughs) He dies. So which is worse, Fatty Lumpkin or I'm a Gundai? Now, could you spell each of those for So, yes, me? Fatty Lumpkin. F-A-T-T-Y-L-U-M-P-K-I-N. Fatty Lumpkin. Lumpkin. For a horse. For yes. a horse. And then, and I'm a gun die. First name, Ima. I-M-A. Last name, gun, G-U-N, dash, D-I. I'm a gun die. This is a person. This is a person in Star Wars who dies. He's a Jedi Knight who gets killed named I'm a gun die. Um Fatty Lumpkin seems like a really odd name for a horse. That's what I said. Thank you. I just you. can't imagine that being fitting any horse. So I, I'm gonna go with Fatty Lumpkin. All there right. we go. Fatty Lumpkin is the champion. There it is. There it is. Thank you, Mom. You're welcome. Anytime. All right. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> okay, hon. Bye-bye. Bye. So Fatty Lumpkin reigns supreme. I think I think if Fatty Lumpkin wins another one, we got to race his jersey to the rafters. We're going to have to. Three times is the limit. Yeah. So have you come up with another name to challenge Fatty Lumpkin this week? Uh, yes. All right. What is it? Now, this name, it's, uh, it's a pretty bad one for, for multiple reasons. Okay. So the person I'm talking, uh, I'm going to lay out forward to challenge Fatty Lumpkin is... Not Lewiski Papanoida. <laughs> now, 
That might not sound like that bad of a name. <laughs> well, it does, kind of. So wait, so not Louis. So so was there somebody called Whiskey Papanoida, and then the other guy was not Whiskey so Papanoida? This is gonna where it's gonna get even worse. Uh, not Lewiski Papanoida is George Lucas's cameo character in episode three. So oh my god, wait. Not Lewiski. There's there's him. Right? Oh my god, it is him. Well, he didn't even like shave. He's <laughs> he in just Revenge put of the Sith. Over the beard. Not Lewiski Papanoida. So he's not Lucasy, and he's the Papa. Not Lucasy Papanoida? Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> All right, we need he's to. Not post- he's not, not Lewiski. He's not Lucas. He's not Lucas, but he is, he's a Papa. He's a Papa. He's a Papa. So his kids help pick this name? His kids are in the movie too. Oh, okay. Makes sense. As, sort it, of. As his cameos. Yep. All right, guys. So this is Fatty Lumpkin versus not Lewiski, Papanoida. Remember, if Fatty Lumpkin wins this week, he's going to be raised into the rafters. We'll bring him back for some some tournament of champions later, later on. Later on. So the choice is yours. Once again, you can vote on Twitter. You can vote on Facebook. To find us, you just have to search What's Lightsabers Precious? And we will come up. Uh, let's see. What else can you do? You can also email us if you want. What's Lightsabers Precious at gmail.com. You can visit us online at what's lightsabersprecious.com. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What else can you do, Ryan? You can rate us up on Apple Podcasts. Uh, give us one of them uh, hearts or the follows on SoundCloud. And just uh, be our friend. Just be our friend. Please be our friend. We have so few friends. Please. Like, in life. I don't mean online. We have tons of friends. But in IRL, no friends. At all. Speak for yourself. I got lots of friends. Oh, okay. I guess it's just me then. So I really crave the parasocial interaction is what I'm saying. Yeah. All right. Well then, until next week, take it easy, Hobwalks. Bye, bits. Bye.